Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered to Next Financial Group, member from Recipic, Texas Hill Country Advisors, not an affiliate of Next. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Andrew Gay, Gilbert Pies, and Texas Hill Country Advisors, and not those of Next. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of common stocks of 580 companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Four Investors podcast, the everyday financial podcast for the everyday investor. I'm Andrew Gay, along with Gilbert Pies, and we are the Texas Hill Country Advisors, local independent financial advisors located right here in the beautiful Texas Hill Country. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to do a a quick financial update uh, for you this morning, this beautiful Thursday morning. So let's jump right in. If we take a look at how the markets are performing, the Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ are all trading lower so far this morning. Uh, But what really, and that's off the back of another negative day that we had yesterday in the U.S. stock market. But what really has the market's attention is the recent uptick in the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury yield closing in on 5%. And I think that was as I was writing this out. Uh, it's you know doing all this research and stuff this morning, and I think just before we started the show here on the recording, it hit five percent, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, and and frankly, you can you can look at the market and say, well, the market's going down because of geopolitical situation and and other things that are happening right now. But I think really more than anything else, the market, the equity market, anyway, is responding to uh, the benchmark ten-year Treasury yield getting closer and closer to five and then finally hitting it, pull, pulling back a little bit. But uh, as we talked about on the show several weeks ago, th- there's been an ongoing yield inversion. And that means, of course, where you have short-term yields higher than long-term yields. And the only way to get rid of that inversion is to either have the short-term yields drop and longer-term yields go up or the short-term yield, if it if it stays persistently high, because right now the two-year Treasury yield, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, 512, 515. Um, the, the other thing that could happen is you could have longer-term yields, the 10-year Treasury, start moving above 5, uh, 5%. And, and that's exactly what's happened over the past few weeks. And so I think more than anything else, the equity markets are responding to the fact that interest rates on 10-year Treasuries are going higher and are probably going to be consistently high for the foreseeable future. Well, and it makes me it makes me wonder. I feel like the Fed has been saying the same narrative higher for longer for quite some time. The market's been hearing that for the last several months, and it seems like it's just now waking up to that reality. Right. Yeah, I think the market has has uh, for a long time kind of just ignored what the Fed was saying about higher rates for longer. And the market now is finally saying, oh, okay, well, maybe they're serious this time, which is ironic because if you look at other pieces of data uh, and and projections for next year, there's still a lot of market participants that are talking about a rate cut next year. How that's likely, I don't know. Uh, well, I guess maybe you could you could say that, that that could be a possibility if we end up having a recession, but... Well, um, that's we, a good point. If the, we had to talk about it right now or make a decision today, it doesn't seem like it. And the market is currently pricing in through the CME tool, the Fed Watch tool that they have there is pricing in, you know, 90% chance that the Fed doesn't raise in November 
Furthermore, it's pre it's predicting that the first cut will come in uh, after the first half of 2024. So it gives two more quarters after the fourth quarter of this year for us to maybe get some insight as far as from a recession standpoint, are we there? Are we not there? What's what's the growth of the U.S. economy look like uh, before they're really pricing in rate cuts next yep. year? The other the other part of that that's kind of been floating around out there. The other piece of the narrative is that the recent uptick in bond yields might be enough upward pressure on the, on general interest rate market interest rates that the Fed might not have to raise in November. Now, the market, I just mentioned, you know, 90% chance that it's thinking the Fed ain't going to hike in no November 1st at their meeting in a couple of weeks. But it's been sitting with that thought for a while. So even though the Fed's been saying something different, um, the market has stuck with its idea that the Fed was done after their last rate hike. And it would, would not be surprising at all if the Fed skipped November, uh, because when you have this pivot, Everybody's thinking that there's just this one day that it's going to happen, and then all of a sudden things are going to change. The Powell pivot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's not usually the way it works. Usually the the pivot is very anticlimactic, and, and it wouldn't be surprising at all if they came out in November and said, yeah, we changed our mind. We don't think we're going to have to raise rates in November. And, um, you know, barring any other unforeseen circumstances, we're, we're probably done. Um, I don't know if that would change the market dynamics any, but uh, I, I think there's still a lot of things lurking in the background that make uh, the equity markets and, and the bond market, for that matter, too. Uh, volatility is very likely this last quarter. Yeah. Not to mention the Fed is still trying to reduce their balance sheet, right? I think you even have an article right there Yes. Um, on that. But also I heard on Bloomberg this morning there was, in, there was a, a company head or analyst on there talking about that the buyers seem to have gone away in the treasury markets and the bond markets. And so that's another yet another factor because if things are getting bid up or there's a lot of demand for buying into something, right, that's going to push the price up and vice versa. So when the buyers go away and there's a lot more sellers than buyers, the price comes down and they think that that's been uh, a recent, uh, you know, facet of what's going on as far as the uptick in, in bond yields recently. You want to make a couple mentions about that? Sure, article sure. Th this article up. that I've got here was from the Wall Street Journal. It was from last Friday, October the 6th. And the article talks about how the Fed has been reducing their balance sheet for a, quite a while now. Uh, they're doing what's called quantitative tightening. Uh, it's the exact, exact opposite of quantitative easing, where they were injecting money into the economy in the form of money supply. They're doing the exact opposite now. They're letting all these bonds that they purchased uh, mature and not reinvesting them. And they're basically eliminating that money from the money supply. This article lays out a couple of things about how the Fed might need to reevaluate their quantitative tightening program that they're doing right now. Uh, if you didn't know, they're currently doing, uh, allowing 65, uh, 60 billion in treasuries and 35 billion in mortgage-backed securities to mature each month without reinvesting those proceeds that's 95 billion dollars a month and that does just for a little bit of context because that is a really big number mm -hmm. but you got to remember the fed's balance sheet ballooned to like nine and a half trillion yes. after the stimulus packages were passed from covid that's right that's right so they, they've been letting these bonds mature without reinvesting them and in essence what they've been doing is pulling 95 billion dollars a month out of the economy 
And this article lays out a couple of reasons why they might need to reevaluate that and maybe stop letting all those treasuries and mortgage-backed securities mature and not reinvest them. Uh, whether they will or won't, it's hard to know for sure. But this article lays out some pretty interesting things about how the some of the things that the Fed probably is looking at and trying to evaluate on a regular basis on whether or not they need to continue doing this quantitative tightening. I think if you look at the Fed's, uh, their, their comments about their balance sheet over the past year and a half, they've made it very clear that uh, part of their inflation battle has been to reduce the size of their balance sheet. And if you listen to some of the things the Fed has said in the past, they have they, they know that they need to reduce their balance sheet. And the best way to do this is by reducing the size of their, their balance sheet and allowing these things to mature and pull that money out of the economy. However, uh, you know, there, there's, it, it has a, an element of, of tightening to it and it's reducing the availability of available credit in many ways because it's pulling that money out of the market. And so uh, I think the Fed is kind of in a crazy situation where they know they need to do this, reduce the size yeah. of their balance sheet, but at the same time, they don't want to overdo it and cause uh, some more unintended consequences by doing all that tightening. So um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But it, it's certainly part of the one of the tools that they have to reduce inflation. And speaking of consequences, I think that's a great segue. One of the one of the things that the stock market has its eye on is the consequences of the higher interest rates, the backdrop of higher interest rates and what that has done for earn, earnings for these public companies for the third quarter. So far, we're we're just reaching over 10% of the S&P that has reported so far. Nearly 80% of them have came out above analyst expectations. Uh, but the earnings, the flood of earnings from companies continues today with over 100 people reporting. Uh, yesterday was something like 300, I say people, I mean, companies reporting. So we, we will continue to get a lot of that data incoming too, as far as how companies are faring, as far as their earnings for the third quarter. And, you know, analysts, market participants, investors like to watch that because, you know, that's a, that they not only report the amount of earning money that they have earned, but they also give guidance on their, on their upcoming quarters, as far as how much they expect to earn. And so if maybe they're topping out on earnings right now, that's a lot of times I talked about this yesterday, but a lot of times if, if companies are releasing better than expected results for earnings, but looks like we're kind of headed into an econo economic slowdown over the next couple of quarters, that might be a good enough excuse as any for those companies to guide their future revenue and profit numbers downward and say, hey, listen, you know, we, we did really good this past quarter, but the next couple of quarters might be tough. And that could give logic to why some other stocks are under downward pressure just because they think that maybe this is as good as it gets, right? Could be. Could very well be. Uh, that will do it for us today. Any final mentions, Gilbert, before we jump off? You know, I, I'm, I'm excited over the next couple of weeks. We'll be getting a lot of new, a lot of additional Fed data. So not only will we be getting PCE, but uh, the, of course the Fed is going to meet at the beginning of November. Uh, that's only two short weeks away. And it's coming up quick. It's coming up real fast. And I, I think it's going to be, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say volatile, but it's it's going to be an interesting few weeks, that's for sure. And I think uh, with additional information about earnings coming out and projections for the future. And then, of course, you know, as we get into November and December, the holidays, and then we get uh, 
a lot of different companies will start releasing their forecasts for next year. Um, that's always an interesting exercise to see what they see coming down the road because it's never the same. And maybe over the next few weeks, what we'll do is we'll look at some of the companies that put out forecasts last year and see how they're kind of ending up this year. That would be an interesting, fun exercise. Yeah, that's a good idea for a great segment. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That will do it for us today. We will catch you back here tomorrow. We should be here tomorrow. Have a good rest of your Friday, Junior. And we'll catch you then. Oh, don't forget, please interact with us. Share our content. Helps other people find our show. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Most weekdays, the stock market is open. In all places, you find your podcast, including Spotify. It's our main channel there. And, and Apple Podcasts. But jump over there, rate our show. It helps us. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We greatly appreciate it. See you tomorrow. Have a good one.